This is Emsolation. Hello and welcome to another edition of Emsolation Conversations. My name is Em, your host. Joining us today is someone who I know very well. He's a good friend of mine. This will probably be our third podcast chat together. Um, but he's been going through a little bit of a transformation emotionally and physically at the moment. <laughs> I've been watching it unfold online because I can't bloody see him. Rob Mills, welcome. Hello. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, babes. Like I remember the first time we did a podcast together mm. and I was like, no one will hear this. <laughs> and then <laughs> said some things about certain deli aunts many years ago mm. and then it just gets gets brought back up again. I'm like, oh, that's it. No more. No more of that stuff. Anyway, I have been going through a bit of a transformation. I love how you've mentioned the Paris Hilton thing and not me. For fuck's sake, we're moving on. I know. I'm just getting it out of the way. <laughs> I'm just saying. It. Last time, I didn't oh, think it was going to be a thing. It was amazing. Look, it's it's, no, it's I it's mean, not amazing. No, but it's, it's the worst. It's something that you know you have to just be at peace with it. It's a part of your history. I'm I'm at peace with it, and I know I have a lovely partner now. She's wonderful. She's, She's a, the best. She is the best, and is I she know yet? that you've. She's not here. She's still coming back from work. She's been. She leaves me at um, about two thirty, three a.m. every morning, and then she, she comes home, and I make her brunch when Aww. she gets home. Oh, you're so good. We speak, of course, of ABC News's Georgie Tunney. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. She's far too good for you, but anyway. <laughs> I think you've already said this to me a few times. Yeah. Uh, if we ever break up, you're taking Georgie. Hundred <laughs> percent. I get Georgie in the divorce. One million percent. Obviously, you're a life performer as I am, and mm. um, stages are dark at the moment. They've gone dark across the land. Except yeah. I did read that beautiful thing about how the Opera House are lighting the stage every night to remind, you know, performers that they'll be back there and that to, to light yourself, keep lighting yourself as a live performer. And I thought that was really beautiful. That's that really is lovely. Nice. But do you know my initial thought just then, Em, is... Right. The electricity bill. The electricity bill. Just give that money to us. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It was a nice sentiment. It is a lovely sentiment, but I was like, well, you, I mean, it does quite cost quite a lot. So honestly, what did it mean for you when everything got shut down, live performing? It's just, I mean, it's it's sadness. I mean, across all forms of entertainment, whether it's musical theatre or comedy or um, act, acting and um, even live gigs, it, it is truly a, a dark time in, in our history. This will be, this will go down as a year that, it's probably the worst for entertainment. And also to be told um, by a government mm. all across the world that we are not essential. It's, no. a re- it's really hard pill to, to swallow. I know, and so many people I know are unable to access, you know, the, the funding that the government has been providing and also, you know, applying for grants. It's pretty tough and difficult. And if you know anyone who's an artist, filling out paperwork, not a strong point of ours. No, nah, so we're not good at it. A lot of people don't bother the other thing that always gets, uh, keeps getting brought up is whenever there is a, a crisis or mm. whenever, the, whenever the, the world is in turmoil, who do we turn to? We turn yeah. to the artists. We put on benefit concerts. Yeah. We, we donate our time for nothing um, to, <laughs> en- to entertain the troops, to entertain yeah. the, the masses. Mm. Who entertains the, the artists? Like who? <laughs> Who's putting on the benefit for us? <laughs> God, I need it. But not only that, if you even want to go more baseline in every day, the people that we're watching on Netflix and on on YouTube and the things that are occupying our minds during this, mm. you know, unprecedented international pandemic are artists. That, and yep. again, you're still turning to them every day and not realising that they're like, but not only the artists, the people that make the artists look good, all the camera crew and the makeup and the wardrobe, all those people are out of work. The producers, the, the directors, writers. the writers. It's this whole community that's suffering. Speaking of the writing though, um, 
there is a lot of people who've you know had to shut down their their work with producers, big production companies. But there's a lot of writers in Australia that are doing sometimes maybe work that they, they don't really want to do. So mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes from this. I mean, I'm <laughs> massive believer in adversity breeds awesomeness. But mm. think of all the writers out there that maybe have been slogging away in a job that they don't really want to write for, but now they actually have the downtime. Sure, they've got no money, um, <laughs> but but they do have the time, which yeah. they maybe didn't have before. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what projects come out of this um, over the next, you know, 12 months to 24 mm. months or whatever. Yeah, hopefully. I think, hopefully. I think there's going to be some incredible writing that's come, that comes out of it. Well, or none because I'm <laughs> trying to finish writing my book and I can, every, I'm not good. It's not. Every time I sit down I feel overwhelmed and exhausted. It's just like uh-huh. in this terrible cycle with my creativity. You also do have children as well. I know, but normally I can tap into this really exciting, never-ending well. It's my escape. It's my fantasy land. It's Bastion in Never-Ending oh, yeah, yeah. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that – has run dry. I can't bring myself to make funny videos anymore or like I've lost all my kind of optimism at the moment. Do you need someone who's filling your cup, Em? You fill a lot of people's cups, can I say, mm. on a daily basis, whether it's through your video or just a, a sneaky message here and there mm. um, or content. Who's filling your cup? <laughs> no one. Oh, I don't. <laughs> no one. I mean, you you check in. Santilla, my friend Santilla checks in a couple of times a week. Um, Maybe that's it. My friends are checking in. Like friends who know me well, mm-hmm. um, yeah, are definitely checking in. But, you know, a, a text is lovely and it, and it does make me feel good that someone's thinking about me. But in terms of actually pouring back into the energy cup, it's Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard. brutal. I think I said to the other day, if you can have a day out or um, – <laughs> which, which is like good luck with that, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I can I drive five <laughs> kilometres and stand in a paddock and shout. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Bring me creativity. <laughs> but this is podcast isn't about me. Stop flipping this. Script. Sorry, sorry. Um, look, it's, I, it's my hosting role, so I'm so sorry. I know we're we're trying to out-host each other. <laughs> I do really want to talk about you. You've been going. You've been going through it basically, and I think you. Every few years, you have these epiphanies about yourself, as do I. But mine seem to happen every week at the moment. Like for fuck's sake, <laughs> I don't want to learn anything more about myself. I don't like. <laughs> I've realised that I really love myself but I don't like myself a lot of the time. And it's yep. a very complicated relationship. Yep. But I do know that this all kind of happened, you got levelled out, all the work kind of went. A dear friend of yours died, two dear friends of yours died in close mm. succession to each other and you were kind of brought to your knees by the world and the universe and – Talk me, talk to me about the process of hitting rock bottom and and how you've been kind of coming back up from that. I wouldn't say it was rock bottom. I, I never. Would you say it was rock bottom emotionally for you? Yeah, though? yeah. Go on, let's do like, that. I mean, I don't mean like you know, I, I don't mean rock bottom in the sense of you know, you're a rock star out drinking at three a.m. You know that. I mean, yeah, no, far from it. I wasn't I mean, really drinking that you, much at all. It felt you were brought to your knees emotionally. Like when I would speak to you, you sounded really wrung out and exhausted. In and in, angry. Yeah, I found myself being super judgmental with everything and I couldn't yeah. find – I think the words I used in an article I wrote was I couldn't find the joy mm. and that's really something that I think I, I do really well. I'm mm. quite a positive, optimistic person. I bring mm. a lot of joy uh, to my mates, to my mm. uh, to my work mm. and I was just hating on everything and I, and I realised it was, yeah, just a combination of everything and I think we're all going through it at the moment. It's – we as human beings don't like change. Some like it more than others, but systemically we, we just don't really like 
change. That's just how human beings work. Um, we know baby boomers don't like change. Um, <laughs> but even us, you know, millennials or Gen X, Gen Ys, we don't like it. And we're having so much change in the last six months, especially for not only ourselves, but all our friends and all our family are affected. And we're looking for some sort of leadership. And there is, dare I say, not a lot. <laughs> um, I think Dan has done a pretty good job here yeah. in Melbourne. He's, it makes you realise he's just a human. He is just a man just trying to, trying mm. to get other, other men and women to, to work together to, to do mm. something they've never done before. Mm. Um, and then the news is, I think watching Donald Trump on the news and all that, yeah, every time he speaks, I just feel disappointed that that is the leader of the free world. I think mm. watching too much news, um, hearing about all my friends without work, mm. not being essential, friends dying and not mm. being able to go to funerals and celebrate their life. And I think it was a lot. Mm. Um, and I think uh, there's a there's a thing that happens on social media and I'm sure you've, you've felt this yourself as someone who sits in a bit of anxiety and, you know, mm. trying to create sort of stuff. But watching other people, there's what, what is this FOMO that we feel? Mm. The FOMO that is fear of missing out. But when people are posting things, oh, I'm on a beach, like you shouldn't be on a beach. <laughs> you should be inside <laughs> wearing a mask. Like, yeah. I, the, ig- the ignorance of people really shocked me. The, uh, the selfishness of, of humanity was getting me down. So I just had to switch off and find out all the things that I um, enjoyed doing again. And that was uh, reading. So I've been reading more books. Mm. Um, I found a really wonderful book um, called Boy Swallows Universe. I think it won a bunch I've, of prizes a I've few years ago. I've read that, darling. I've read it. It's great. Isn't it just a mm. wonderful Aussie story? It's a tough read though. Yeah. I, I, I wept openly throughout it. Like, it was so beautifully written. I mean, the first 20, 30 pages, it took me a while to get into it. And also the style of writing, it's, it's, um, it, it's, not a, it's not an easy page turner. Like you have to work to take in the narrative and take in the style and you have yeah. to stay present. And it's not a book you can just kind of flip and flip in and out of. Like it really commands your attention. And, and yeah, I think but, that's the brilliance of the writing style. Yeah, but once you're in, you're really mm. in. And oh, I, yeah. I said this to Georgie, she hasn't read it yet, but I said there's something so wonderful about, I mean, he talks about time a lot and what mm. it means uh, to speed up and slow down. Mm. I find that he he managed to do that really well with his writing. I found like I was reading faster at the the bits I had to read faster and yeah. then I would slow down and um, yeah. it was a really great sort of little metaphor um, reading that book and the slowing down of, of our world and slowing down of my life. And I was like, oh, I really just need this slow down right now and that's okay. It's okay that it's not okay. But what are the things you came to realise about yourself that you wanted to address? I'm really interested in like nailing you on this because I think, you know, especially men, men, straight men, and and I'm generalising, I think a lot of straight men don't take the time to honour you know, traditionally unmasculine feelings, I, you know, really drilling down on that emotional yeah, yep. intelligence and saying, you know, hey, I'm going to put my hand up and say I can't tick the boxes of masculinity, uh, you know, this perceived masculinity and what I need to do as a man and all these pressures and what it means to be a man now and I don't really know what that even looks like. And mm. I just think someone like you, it would be very helpful for other men to hear or, or with wives of other men or, or girlfriends or brothers or sisters, whatever, yep. your kind of journey to – you know, being okay with drilling down on your emotions because you've been doing a lot of that. I think it started many, many years ago just 
getting away from uh, an old manager and trying to work out what it is to just be a man away from, um, dare I say, the teat. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> you have to be comfortable yep. with uh, who you are as a, as a man, but also your relationship with your father is super important and knowing what that is. So for all men out there, you need to need to love your dad or at least come to terms with the fact that you may not love your dad, but just you, you can still respect him. Mm. Um, that's super important, uh, which I, I have done over the years. But um, regular checkups with a psych is so important. Um, I had some really good chats with my psych over the last six months. I recorded some of it and trying to – I think my, my plan is to break down the stigma of even just going to see a psych. Oh, um, a million if, bajillion you know, percent. If, if, you, if you've got a sore hamstring, M, you yeah. go see the physio. Yeah. So you've got a bit of a sore brain – Go and see the psych. Like and also I think people prioritise that financially last. Like the first thing to go when times are tough are usually the psych appointments or the counselling appointments or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, exercise, the gym, all the things that are actually really important that if you can somehow find a way to pay for. But I do feel like we still prioritise our mental health last. You know, oh, that's, yeah. It seems well, as a luxury to see a counsellor. Well, well, you can buy a slab of beer for 50 bucks mm. or you can go see a counsellor for 100 Which What do you think people are doing? Mm. I, I think that's really sad and I think it's something that needs to be addressed. I tell you what, it is being addressed though. The, the Victorian state government has has actually already up from, I think it's six appointments that you can see a psych every year, um, which is rebatable by the government, mm. by Medicare. Yeah. They've upped yeah. that to 20 yeah. in Victoria, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. So that's the first step was going to have a chat. And then it was also just chatting to my partner mm. about how I felt. Because traditionally you push people away when you're battling. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. I I completely shut off, and mm. and then I like to think that it's everyone else's fault. <laughs> that is so enlightened. That is good self awareness, Robert. So oh, yeah, the, yeah. the fact that you knew that that in the past, in especially in relationships, you do shut down when you're battling, and then find a way to project it onto other people. And I think I've certainly done that. I think we've all, in some point, and to be able to recognise that is massive. Yeah, for I suppose for your for the women listening who have got partners or the men who are listening who've got partners and you find your partner blaming you for stuff, just question them on that. Ask them why why they think that is. I think that's a really good way. I've, I've actually said that to, George, to Georgie. If I ever get that way again, just ask me if it really is her or really it's me going through something and then that starts the conversation. But it's so hard at the moment to have rational conversations, especially if you're living with your partner in Victoria at the moment. Well, what if it is your partner that is actually the problem? That's uh, that's the other thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. Go, and have, go and have the chat with your psych and get them to teach you the a few conversation starters to at least start the conversation mm. um, because at one point you did love this person. Mm. That's, my, that's my other thing for people who are going through tough times at the moment. Find that place again. And it takes – it's hard work. It's mm. hard, Relationships are hard. But they're also not meant to be put under the pressure they're under now. No. It's no just way. It's not a natural state. I don't even have kids. <laughs> I don't even have – we don't even have a dog. To, oh, like, it gets down to even just like whose work's more important at that point in time. You know, like you get down to those arguments of like just trying to carve out time to do something but the other person has to do something but there's kids and that arguing of whose work's more important. Like it can get really petty and because you just – there's no escape. No escape, and also, this is the thing I've, I think I've really worked out in the last, oh, probably the last month since sort of coming out of the funk and um, seeing the light. It's to celebrate the wins. Now, mm. the wins used to be going on a holiday yeah. for the for a family. The wins used to be 
um, catch it up with girlfriends or catch up with mates or they will, you've got to, you've got to really lower the bar now, but there's still a win. Mm. Even if it's getting out of bed, mm. like that's a win. Make mm. the bed. That mm. is a win. Like <laughs> it is and important. You've just got to really lower the bar right now. And that's yes. okay. We need a collective lowering of standards. I've been saying this for years. Yeah, yeah. I really, you, we we really do. But you mean, sorry, you mean I, finding a partner as well? <laughs> no, no, not not necessarily that. But in terms of the standards we're holding ourselves accountable to, and like you mentioned, social media. If you're holding your life to those standards of other people that you're looking on their highlights reel, then you're fucked. Yeah. You're honestly yeah, I, screwed from the moment yeah. you get up in the morning. If you're like, oh, this woman on Instagram, all her kids are doing eating healthy snacks and doing their homeschooling and she's got colour-coded, you know, stationary charts and look how organised <laughs> she is and she's still thin and, her, and, the, and she still seems to be in love with her partner and, oh, God. There's a lot of that going on at, at the moment on social media and um, it makes me really mad because I, I know the truth behind some of those people's photos as well. Yeah. <laughs> It's not real. There's nothing nah. real about social media. I mean, you nah. and I, I think, are pretty good at keeping it yeah. relative, like pretty real. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah. I, I mean, occasionally there'll be like a cat sitting on my head or a sloth, <laughs> yeah, or a, like yeah. a weird butterfly filter. But yeah, other for than that, yeah, for funsies. But other than that, I feel like it's my responsibility to help people feel less shit. So, yep. you it's know. Not, it's not your responsibility. You. It just feels so like know. it is. I feel like it is. <laughs> just, I'm just clearing it up for you. It's not your responsibility. Well, it is in a way <laughs> because I, I, try and be, I try and be the person I need. And I know that sounds super narcissistic, but whenever I'm writing or making something or putting something out there, I try and feel the gaps that I feel I have. And that's, that's the only kind of, kind of rules I've had in terms of the, the stuff I've made over the last 15 years has been, oh, well, what would make me feel better right now? What am I not seeing out there? Yeah. What could I make that would make me feel seen right now? And that's what I've been making. So it's the it's the only it's my survival and it's my kind of therapy is is working through my deep traumas on stage sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also hilarious. So thank but you the, for that. Oh, you know, but the weird part about this time is it does bring all your trauma to the surface because you there's so much space now for it. Because so the nothingness, you can't yeah, distract. In the yeah. past, I, I like was wearing busy as a badge of honour. I was the busiest person I know and I was fucking proud of that fact. And yeah, distract, was, distract, distract. <laughs> it was a great way for me to not address deep trauma. Like I still haven't processed the breakfast radio stuff. That is still locked tightly in a sparkly box in the corner with an elephant sitting on it. When like, is that When is that going to be opened? I'm going to write like I'm going to write this, this blazing manifesto and have it set for release upon my death. That's probably when it's going to be dealt with. <laughs> it's not. So it won't be in the book. No, nah. no. Nah, it's like it's like people you know are how still Prince, alive. You know, how, you know it's got, I'm still alive. I don't want to deal with shit. Is this going to be one of the one of those um, you know government documents that can't be looked at until fifty years after? Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. They'll have to redact every name. No, truly, because <laughs> when Prince died, he had like four albums ready to go. So this thing will be written. I'll give it to Michael Lucas, and he'll be instructed to allow it out once I'm dead. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, there's a lot of trauma around the breakfast radio stuff that I still can't talk about. But a lot of it, weirdly, has been bubbling up for me mm-hmm. during this time. And I think I think a lot of people are feeling the same way and that stuff they thought they'd addressed is coming back to hurt them because of the silence. Mm, but it's good, to, it's, it's good to have the silence right now. Hey, can I also just touch on something and get your thoughts on it? Yeah. The last four to five to ten years, we're getting better at acknowledging mental health. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's, it's it's now you know mental wellness. It's not mm. a mental illness. It went mm. to mental wealth and mm. uh, so mental health, and now it's gone to mental wellness. Mm. 
But there's also, I see there's a dark side to it. If we're talking about it all the time, that's all we're talking about, people being sad. Mm. And sometimes that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. There's got to be a, a resilience sort of side to it as well. I just mm. want to get your thoughts on if you're talking about mental health all the time, can it also be a be a bad thing to talk, you know, I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad. Well, I, I no, I think it's, I mean, I think it's talking about mental health. We still, I feel like you might feel that way because you're so immersed in it, but you are in the minority of people who are comfortable talking about their mental health openly. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah, you may feel fatigued by it, but I don't think nearly enough people, I don't think we're anywhere near the stage where we're like, oh, we're talking about mental health too much. So, right. right. Yeah, I mean, resilience is funny. Michael and I were talking about resilience in a podcast a little while ago and I'm probably one of my proudest attributes I have of myself is my resilience but might have none at the moment. Little things are bothering me. Everything's bothering me and breaking my heart and hurting my feelings and humiliating yeah. me and things that you normally – You might just need to – maybe you just need a little switch off. Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew how to do that. Because <laughs> it gives it's, – it's one. I'm just thinking of you right now. It's it's the thing that gives you energy, but it's also the thing that takes away. It's like you're like a weird super – It is. You're, you're like a weird superhero. It is. I am yeah. – yeah, I am – Ms. Anxiety, Captain yeah. Anxiety. <laughs> it is my superpower. And I was talking to Melissa Leong about that the other night. Yes, name drop. Yeah. Um, Melissa Leong is another member of the Superpower Club of um, we're super empaths, and I've yep. got a couple of friends in showbiz who are super empaths, and she has the same issues as me in that she has to just literally lock herself in a dark room because everything is overstimulating her and everything makes her sad. And she said, "Yeah, it's definitely I'm learning to harness it as my superpower, but I do like I'm thinking about buying a therapy pod." <laughs> oh yeah. You just sit in the booth. Yeah, but it's like it's, no, no. It's an actual massive memory foam beanbag, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. lay in it, and it complete. It's like a hug. It's like a. So I've got my therapy blanket. I've got my anxiety blanket already. That, that's I, the heavy blanket, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a heavy blanket. I've yeah, got I do one that to Georgie those. all the time. I just lie on top of it. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that would just feel so claustrophobic. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that would really bring out. That would be fine. <laughs> just having someone lay on top of me. Yeah. If I, I don't want that, that's why I've got the anxiety blanket. All right. So tell husband. me about the. So tell me about the pod. The pod, the anxiety blanket's kind of stopped working, so I thought I needed to step it up. So <laughs> I'm going to the pod. It's like being in the womb by the yeah. sounds of it. Essentially, I'm just trying to doing the slow crawl back up my mother's birth canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, that is what maybe I'm trying to recreate. It. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's something that you need to address. <laughs> I don't know if I can justify it, though. It's, it's about 800 bucks. Ooh. I know. And, like, 800 bucks is, a, in the scheme of things, not a lot of money to invest in your mental health, but a uh. lot of money to drop, you know, on what is a fancy beanbag. I, I, you know, I am the person who has spent a lot of money on handbags and shoes, I admit it. I, there are certain things I'll go <laughs> and candles and flowers and plants and books. There are certain things I'm like, oh, I'll just do it. It doesn't matter. Fine, yeah. whatever. But then, you know, I'm also the person at the supermarket who'll get the half-price mints. So it's like there's, oh, a, yeah. there's a fine Always. balance. Yeah, yeah I'm but with it's, you. I'm with you. But, but it's like $800, I'm still balking at it because it's ugly. It's like it's it's just. Have you got room for it? In the Where are you going to put it? So Scott said, if you just pay me, I'll give you a hug like that every day. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why don't you just hug me for free, Scott? He does. He's been <laughs> trying good. to hug me. I haven't oh, that's good. hugs lately. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, I don't. When I'm in. Anxiety spiral. I don't like to be touched at all. Yep, yep. It's for me. You push, you push people away. I'm, yeah. I know that feeling. I'm just thinking about what's the big purchases you make in your life. They always say buy, buy a really good mattress because you're gonna. Oh yeah, you're I've got a good mattress. All, yeah, yeah, I'm all. You're I've gonna got use a good it all the time. A good jeans, pillow, a good babies, couch. Yeah. But I think if this is something that you're gonna use, you've got to look at it per use. So <laughs> like, 
Do you know what I mean? You got to look at like how much it costs you per use, and yeah. if you're going to use it, you know, a million times, that's not a lot, is it? It's not a I, huge outlay. I just want to get to a point, and when is this going to happen? Where I'm go. just like, ah, fuck it, this is who I am, and I'm happy. When am I going to be an obnoxious old person? Because I'm sick of the reinventions. I'm so sick of like going. Oh, I think I'm okay. Oh no, I'm actually a dumpster fire of a person. <laughs> I'm actually a really shit cunt and I need to address that. Like sometimes I'll wake up and go, oh, yeah, I'm a good person and then something will happen or I'll think something or I'll say something or I'll email something. I'm like, no, you are a human trash fire. (laughs) When do I get to the point in life, is it like 80, where you're like, you know what, I'm going to blow dry my pubes at the gym, I'm going to wear caftans, I don't give a shit, I'm going to drink gin at nine, I'm going to yell at people from my front porch. When do I get to outrageous old lady? When does that happen? I think you. I think you're already there, just by the sound of that last, you know, rant. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think you have to be old to be outrageous. Uh, no, but the, the super self awareness. I've had it. I don't want to know anything more about myself. I've reached. I've reached the threshold of nah. shit stuff about myself. It's not going to stop though, because that's the way your brain works. You're not going to stop discovering, and that's a good thing. <laughs> just so you know. What have you discovered about yourself this year? So I like. I already knew this, but I think. <laughs> I like attention, but not too much attention. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really, that's a me. It's, well, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. It's a yeah. really, like it's a knife, it's a knife's edge. Like I like being, I think even at school, yeah, I like being the class clown. But, you know, when the teacher said, do you want to come up here and teach the class? I would, but uh, I was not very good at it. So I just, <laughs> so I like a little bit of attention, but not too much. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, oh, the, just the importance of, I uh, write this in my the article, is the village. It does. It takes a village to raise to raise a child, but it also takes a village to grieve. It takes a village to be. So we, we really do need our friends and our family um, to be around us. And that's such a, uh, it's an important thing, but it's just so hard to have right now that we, we can't even have human touch. Mm. The interactions between humans has been slipping ever since PayPass came in. Uh, like this, this is a, this is a very small interaction that you used to have back in the day with cash. You you would go to the counter um, and just for, you say it's a loaf of bread. Go to Seven Eleven and the guy goes, "That's two bucks." You put the money in their hand. They count the money and then they look you in the eye and they trust you. Like you trust them, they trust you. There's just this. It's a brief split second of an interaction, M. But we don't have that anymore. We don't even have an interaction with the local store person. Like that is. Oh, you get like one second waiting for the approve. Yeah, but <laughs> you don't look at them. Like I mean, anytime there's a person in front of me, it's a chance for a gig. You know, it's a, like I'll try and make a little gag or something. <laughs> Just oh, do you know? Do you know, every time, I, like, are you the guy that goes, "Oh, phew"? Like, are you that guy? And if it says approve, <laughs> no, oh, no, phew, you like, it would be, you like, it would be, <laughs> like the old uh, spendings, like. <laughs> Savings, no. more like spending. Spendings, oh, I hate that. No, not that, not that guy. But oh. even that, those small interactions are, are gone. Even that, it's a you might even brush someone's hand. Like that's electricity that passes between humans. We don't have it, and at the moment, we don't even have. We can't even hug. I mean, the fact that we can't even be in the same room right now to do, to do this is pretty weird. I don't think I've seen you this year. Oh no, mm. I saw you. You no, and George I, came out in January, February. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did. It was the last time anyone was allowed at my house. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And now we're in August. It's weird. And I slept over last year when I was shooting my death scenes. Yeah, you scenes. slept over. That was, <laughs> you, that was late last year when, you, when they were killing your character off Neighbours. You yeah. stayed at my house because they were killing you close to my house. 
<laughs> in the uh, grave that I dug for Susan Kennedy. <laughs> Do you regret leaving Neighbours now because all the work's dried up? No, 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 not at all. It was the, the perfect finish. Um, it coincided with the dying in a mine. anniversary. Dying, no, it, dying in a uh, hole that I dug uh, for Susan. <laughs> the watery grave. But, no, it, it coincided with the 35th anniversary of Neighbours. Um, it was the end of my, my character, which I think is just fantastic um, to be – Part of, and also I got to shoot a, a two-hander with with Jackie Woodburn. I mean, that's just it's incredible. She's just you know the matriarch of the show, and and you got to be in a coma. basically raised me, and I got to be in a coma. I got to yeah, do pretty much. I left good. peak soap is how I like to leave it. <laughs> and and um, I won best actor at the TV Soap Awards in London. What? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations! It's my first uh, acting. <laughs> Award win. I didn't even know that was an award ceremony. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the. I think it's kind of. Nah, like don't the, play it down. Don't play it down. Sounds amazing. Well done. That's exceptional. Um, yeah, nominated for a Helpman, but never. Um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Were you nominated for a Helpman? I certainly was nominated for a Helpman. No, I wasn't. Joking. What? No, I was nominated <laughs> for. I was nominated for a Green Room Award. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Would you do a show when it comes back in 2023? I get asked <laughs> a lot because I am. I'm a lover of musical theatre. A lot of people assume. Um, that I want to be on stage. But no, I don't want to ever do musical theatre. I don't think, first of all, my voice wouldn't hold up. I absolutely know that for certain. That shows and a week. Yeah, it's a it's a. It just bloody- wouldn't. And I'm a belter when I sing. Like I'm, I had no training, so I don't really know how to preserve my voice. But when you do it, you smash it. Yeah, I, I guess. But I also know that I would get bored very quickly. You know mm-hmm. me. Like, you know my attention span. Yeah, yeah. My it's first. great. My first eight weeks of the show is the best, and that includes six weeks of rehearsal and then two weeks of show and then – Oh, don't get me wrong. I do eight months of rehearsal, two weeks of shows, out. Yeah. Like- <laughs> that's I love the rehearsals, the creating stuff, yeah. That's pretty much my touring process. Eight months of writing and developing and then I just hit the nation 20 nights in a row and I'm done for the year. So I would be a part of a musical theatre production if it was a really short run – Oh, like I, the production company. Yeah, is. yeah. Like I do something like that. I do have my eye on the mother role in Dear Evan Hansen if that ever comes here. I think I would really like to sing her song. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. It sounds like yeah. um, uh, she sounds a bit And like- she's an alto as well. And there's never lead roles for altos in musicals. So <laughs> it's so exciting. This is a fact. Are you going to go back What's when it goes back? Are you, I mean, I mean people don't realise how prolific – you, unless you're a musical theatre nerd, people listening mightn't understand. How many shows have you done in Australia? Wicked was the first sort of big one. How many um, years were you on Wicked on two stage? Two years. I thought two it was years. longer. No, two years. Gemma's, Gemma did like six. Gemma Ricks. <laughs> what did Lucy, Lucy do? She did. She had a bit of a break, I think. So she did four or five, but I think Gemma was there from the beginning to that the end. That is incredible. That is yeah. incredible. Singing Defying two. Gravity every night. For yep. nine shows a week for six years. It's, a, it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh her, her pipes are incredible. Hence incredible. why she's playing um, Elsa. Yes. In, in Frozen. Frozen. When that yes. eventually um, comes about. But no, uh, Wicked and then there was Legally Blonde, uh, Grease and Ghost. And Jesus Christ Superstar. I did a small production of Hair many years ago. Oh, I did this great production of the last Potter five years. I well. did the Puffs. I did Puffs, yeah. Puffs which is a little, was great. Which a little Harry Potter spoof we did mm. in Melbourne, which was hilarious. Which there's talk of, of that coming back as well. Oh, that's which good. is a very, very, very fun show. So are you going to go back once it comes out? I know you lost your passion a bit for it. Have you? Is it reignited? I have auditioned for Moulin Rouge <gasps> um, in this lockdown period. So yes. 
we shall see. I went in for the Duke. Oh. Um, not for Christian. So oh. and he, in, in the movie he's played by Richard Roxburgh. He's quite <laughs> nerdy. I remember listening to an interview years ago. Richard Roxburgh said he based the character on uh, Alexander, Alexander Downer. Downer. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is just hilarious. It's perfect. This is not the role. This in in the musical, he's more suave and debonair. Well, I still think you were robbed to not get the Hamilton role. Oh, thanks. I'm not sure who who got it, but not I, not as Hamilton. <laughs> not as no, not as not as Hamilton. Although King George, King George. I, I know a lot of the uh, the raps. Oh, me too. I could Hamilton. play Hamilton. I could yeah. play any of the roles. You want me to sub in? I'll sub in. You want me to be? You want me to be Burr? I can be Burr. Sir. <laughs> Okay, I can Pardon do it. Pardon me. Are you Aaron Burr, Burr, sir? sir. <laughs> that depends. Who's asking? Oh, oh well, sure. sure. Sir. <laughs> oh, my God. We could just have done the podcast. Em and Rob Mills recreate <laughs> Hamilton. Imagine. I tell you what, there's something in that. All right. Well, we should wrap up because you've got your work. You're doing some behind-the-scenes stuff on The Masked Singer. I am doing some behind-the-scenes stuff on The Masked Singer. Um, funny, I pitched myself the job. I was like, hey, mate, it's just uh, it's your, it's your friendly wolf here. Um, just like, you know, I'm still in Melbourne and unemployed. So if you need Amazing. me I, <laughs> to do any, any work on the show, mm. the offer's still there. And then within a couple of days he goes, actually, yep, we do want you. And I started work three days after that. I love that you manifested a job. That's so great. I'm just really glad and um, a straight, white, good-looking man such as yourself got a chance. <laughs> I'm just glad you're able to find some work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. I, I, was, I was thinking about this. Yeah. If I was still in the funk, though, that I was, I wouldn't have reached out. No, so, you were von- you, you were you were able to be vulnerable. Mm, I've, I've been super vulnerable. That's um, good. You have. We've all learned something today. Shh, I'm so exhausted. Why don't we just keep this light and fluffy? All right, time to it. go. Um, love you. I'm love you too. I'm glad you're discovering. You know yourself. Keep touching, yeah. keep finding, keep feeling. Yeah, well, and keep communicating. And this goes for everyone. It's so important. Yeah. The most important thing is to communicate with your, your friends, but also if you've got a partner, just communicate. It's It just makes life so much easier. Mm. Just rip the Band-Aid off instead of doing the slow tear. Just rip it off and have the chat. Yeah. Don't let 20 years of resentment build up until you just no. can't be bothered anymore. Absolutely not. It's the, just, it's the root of all evil resentment. Just speaking that for a friend. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rob Mills. Here if you need. Bye, babe. Bye.